Hey all, Ed here from Persona, and this is Personally, our community podcast. Today I'm speaking to Jim from Strategy Bricks. Jim is a super cool guy. He's based in the UK, and he has like his other partners across the world in the US as well. And he's building a pretty nice solution, which is essentially what you do in between finding out you have to be compliant as a fintech, but actually implementing something like Persona. What are like key components that I have to have in place? How do I implement them? And they kind of serve that specific niche, which is really interesting. Jim has probably a better way of explaining this than myself. So let Jim talk about it. Okay, Jim, thank you so much for being here. Uh, happy morning for us here. Wanna maybe start by telling a little bit about yourself, like who is Jim and, and maybe like a little background and where did you come from and you know some of the work you've done in the past? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thanks for thanks for having me. Obviously, so I'm I'm Jim. I'm one of the uh, co-founders and managing directors at Strategy Bricks. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about Strategy Bricks a little bit later. But in terms of more personally, so I've been in the financial crime space for a little over twelve, uh, uh, eleven years, maybe eleven years now. Uh, fell there a little bit randomly uh, into that randomly I don't think any little boys is like I'm going to be a financial crime compliance uh, uh, person <laughs> when they grow up so I kind of like fell a little bit there um, randomly but I started a little bit more on the analytics side um, of, of financial crime so uh, across a couple of consultancies so Germany and uh, and then PwC so I was focused a little bit more on how can we new, use analytics to kind of like detect identify and then start kind of implementing controls to um, to mitigate um Kind of things like money laundering, terrorist financing, those kind of um, those kind of things. So started a lot more on the analytics, um, and I think we'll probably touch a little bit on on there later. But one of the big topics that we're doing was all around optimization. So how do we use um, data analy analytical tool to start optimizing all of the different technologies that let's say banks, uh, fintechs, or crypto companies have in place? Mm -hmm. um, so I started on this, and then slowly but surely, kind of expanded a little bit more outside of just the analytics space. And started being focused on building kind of end-to-end -end financial crime program. So bring in, you know, what are the policies and procedures? So the kinds of what are policy procedures that you need? Um, what is the wider set of technology that you need? So you might think of like, you know, persona from an IDNV perspective or screening perspective. Uh, you might have payment screening as well, transaction monitoring. If you go to the crypto space, you've got blockchain analytics. So kind of bring in all of those, and then it's making sure that. It's not just implementing those technology and then that's it. It's bring those technologies, uh, the processes, and then bring all the governance around it. So how do we make sure when things identify there's the right level of escalation? How do we make sure that we've got the kind of like the right oversight of the risk and the program overall? And then finally, it's kind of like the more people aspect. So how do we bring investigators? Uh, how do we make sure that they've got the right skill? And then how do we make sure that we've got a second line of defense with the right compliance officers as well? So, that's, that's so yeah, awesome. that's the introduction, and then I can go into strategy bricks later as as needed. Yeah, I mean, this is awesome, and I mean, you came from big companies. I, I mentioned like first of all, coming from this world of like fraud investigation and all that is not necessarily something that people go and say, "That's my thing, I'm gonna do it." <laughs> Maybe you like crime, and you like I don't know, like listening to to audio books about that, but it's very different from like working with that. And you worked in a big corporation doing that, as you mentioned. Um, and then you, you worked in a very interesting company before you created uh, Strategy Bricks. Yeah. Uh, I listened to that in your podcast. If you want to share about that, that would be great because I think that's a really good context in like in bringing, building this segue into how did you come to build Strategy Bricks? I'm pretty sure you found some opportunities there to work on the optimization end. But do you mind sharing a little bit about context uh, and how did that come into like come into like, okay, we need to build something ourselves here and then you start uh, Strategy Bricks? No, no, absolutely. Well, context is a fascinating company and, you know, 
they're doing extremely well. They just kind of like raised the other, uh, they just kind of reached the other uh, unicorn status in the year, uh, when the UK, um, um, in the last, last few weeks. No. So, I mean, I can tell you a little bit more about, about Contexa. So what they do is that they've got a bit of a different take on, uh, a different take on some of the traditional things such as like transaction monitoring, complex investigation. So what they do is where, you know, where a lot of companies out there, uh, leverage kind of internal data often and in some cases some watch list uh context out focuses a lot on bringing kind of like all the external data that they can so that's going to include the traditional watch list but then it's going to include things such as uh corporate registries as well and that allows to bring a lot more kind of like context uh context to kind of investigation or just to to uh, uh to a given situation so you'll understand you know Okay, typically I see transfer coming from uh, from uh, company A to company B. If we don't have that external data, you know, this is just any uh, any payment to unrelated data. However, when when you start bringing some of that external data, such as directorship uh, of of company or, or kind of a uh, watch list, you're able to say actually this director is also the director of this company. This director is also a director of this company, and then the director on the receiving end of the payment is actually a shareholder. In, in that, so you are starting to be able to bring to build a lot of context to kind of like a given investigation, and then you can start like saying that they're not overlaying the risk. So why is money cyclically going through them? Uh, actually, this individual, the shareholder, is a, is a sanctioned entity, and it looks like it's a it's a shell company. So it's a very interesting new take on on how to go about doing transaction monitoring and investigation. That's amazing, man. And you know what's uh, great about this? I mean, not trying to brag here and didn't want to get the, the free ad spot, but why not? Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is, I think when we released a graph uh, at Persona, it uh -huh. feels like it kind of solves this, uh, but it kind of adds to the existing, you know, uh, uh, solutions that we have in place. And, and this is great. But now, I mean, you've been doing this, you're working for different companies. At some point you were like, there's something in it. There's a big, bigger problem that I need to solve, and they're not solving. Oh, yeah. And and maybe that's what most maybe they spark for strategy breaks. But I would, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. What made you decide to do your thing? You know, uh, line up with Jazz and, and build that. Like, what, what was that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think there was a. There's always been a bit of a journey from kind of like responsibility to accountability, um, without thinking too much on on the on the on the subject matter. Kind of like it's thinking of. You know, I uh, going from my career, I was like, oh, I've got a lot of responsibility. Like, I'm doing well. This is this is good. And then realizing that there's always a self safety net, right? There's always someone that's going to review what you prepare. There's always someone that that tells you the angle. And slowly but surely, I kind of like I started feeling sometimes I had a little bit of a different angle that I wanted to explore and something I wasn't always able to uh, to to do. And and I think you know, as I moved to kind of like Texas, I moved to uh, uh, to kind of like build strategy bricks with Jazz and John. Um, I realized that, you know, this was the, the 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 perfect segue into this to kind of like bring our own vision of how we go about doing things um, and then making sure that we also kind of like get the opportunity to to people joining the team so that, you know, it, it's not just about us, uh, our, our work thinking, but how can people in the team actually start um, being accountable themselves as opposed to us just telling them exactly what, what needs to happen. So I think it was just a little bit that that journey, responsibility to accountability. And then ultimately, I think we we just saw like a really good opportunity opportunity in the market with uh, with fintechs and um, and some of the crypto companies or digital banks. So we came in and put a lot of focus in that in that space. And I think what we saw is there was a lot 
so, so I'm, as I'm sure you know, it's kind of like an interesting area because there's a lot of gray areas when it comes to regulatory status, um, and when it comes to uh, to to what kind of compliance uh, function they need to to implement or program. Um, what we kind of like realized is a lot of some of those fintechs um, at at all stages were kind of like implementing program or tell told to implement program by by you know legal firms or uh, or, or consultancies. And, and what was implemented was kind of more of a very complex and more aligned to kind of like a larger bank's program rather than very much focusing on the level of maturity, um, or the level of risk and the regulatory status of those entities. So to kind of give you an example, where we saw that big opportunity as well is at the moment, I mean, you know, we will have competitors, right? But it's still a small, small landscape. But if a fintech wants to go... Um, so we've got two three different segments. We've got a much larger segment, but I'll focus just uh, on the, on the earlier stage companies yet. So what we realized is those those fintechs, earlier stage fintechs, when coming in, you know they've got a vision, they've got a product that they want to bring to market, and I don't think many of them understand how compliance, how painful compliance uh, is going to be, and how big of a barrier is going to be. So they're in a position where they just want to go uh, go for it, and then they hit that barrier. So maybe like a banking partner might say you need to go and implement a program and they're like, okay, this is where the, the, the trouble um, trouble begins. So they're going, okay, I'm going to see legal firm or a, uh, I'm going to see legal firm or compliance uh, uh, consultancy. I'm going, okay, I need policies, I need program. So then there's going to be kind of like copy paste uh, policies, procedures. Okay. The, uh, the, the kind of like fintech runs back around to the banking partner. They say, okay, this is my program. And then you're in a situation where the, the bank partner is like, okay, that's beautiful. You've got great documents, but now you actually need to go and implement everything that's on there. And this is where the program starts to be uh, painful. So they reach back out to those people, or firms or, or consultancy, and then they're like, well, no, we, we, we don't really know technology. You're going to have to go like through tech, tech vendors or, or stuff like that. And then they go to tech vendors. They don't know what's a good price, what good pricing looks like. They don't know is this far too much for what I'm doing? And that ties back to kind of like the buy versus build to, to start with. Um, do I need all of this yet? Do I need all of this right now? And then is, okay, now I need a compliance officer uh, to, I need a compliance officer to bring in or I need an investigator. And then all of a sudden, they start spending 50% of their time on compliance rather than focusing on the business. And I think this is where, you know, our initial position was very much coming in is they actually, you know, got a tech background. We've done all those roles. So let's come in. And let's do everything. So we're basically trying to take as much as possible the compliance pain away from these uh, these companies. So we come in, we do the policy and procedures, aligned to live maturity, etc. Um, we work. We're going to work with technologies um, to kind of like this, get those technologies implemented and calibrate them accordingly. And then we are going to be kind of acting as a bit of a fractional CCO uh, and uh, investigations kind of like uh, team. So we kind of manage the compliance function for you until you're ready to do so. And that's a lot of what we do, kind of early stage, and then the the larger stages, the larger companies is typically a lot around how can we improve operational efficiency, how can we improve um, technology uh, uh, efficiency, or a little bit more, for example, around like technology roadmap. How do we go from doing something which is satisfying to very much kind of implementing the right thing for what we're doing and where we're going. It's awesome, man. And this is so important because you mentioned like the cases of early stage fintechs. We, we see that a lot of like companies coming to us to implement persona, but they have no idea what to do. They're like, I think I need this. 
uh, because I just I have to be compliant. But then there's all of the work that you mentioned, and, and this is great because it's like a perfect match, right? You're building your business, as you said, you're busy building the actual product and the actual solution. This compliance, you know, gets on your way because it's hard. It's not as straightforward. A lot of ambiguity, especially if you're dealing with multiple countries and, and whatnot. And then you get people like you to go there. I've been doing that. You know how to deliver on, like help them and play that role that they need of like compliance. Uh, it's like serious whole. And, and then getting the implementation solution, which is the tech stack as well, which is great. I mean, this is amazing. Perfect match. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, uh, I think this absolutely. Is <laughs> this is so cool, man. Yeah. And, and who comes usually to you? Is it like the founder? Is it like someone in the product team uh, who would come like, I need this and, and dealing direct, directly with you? Yeah. I mean, again, you know, we've got the two very two different types of segments. So I think the first segment, if we talk about those very early stage, very typically is going to be kind of like a CEO uh, or one of the founders uh, coming to, over to us. You know, they don't, they don't have like a big team yet. Um, so I think, you know, they are the ones that are on the spot for, for fixing compliance. So I think from those early, early stage, excuse me, early stage business, it's going to be a lot around like the founders or, or CEOs or CTOs in, in, in some instances. And then the kind of like the bigger we go, the more compliance focused those are, those are companies are. So it might be, it might be kind of like risk in a slightly bigger one. And then it might be like compliance in a, in a slightly bigger one. And then you might have like the global head of financial crime when you go to the, to the large, large area. So the bigger, the, the more specialized the team becomes, obviously. Gotcha. And do you do that globally? Is it specific countries that you guys are focusing on? So no, so we, we work we work globally. So we've got kind of companies uh, uh, across. We've got companies in India, we've got companies in South America, we've got companies in the US, in, in, in Europe. So we kind of cover uh, all different jurisdictions. Um, so yeah, no, there, there, there's I think there's an interesting area in terms of we, we kind of like help. So when I mentioned like in South America, or when I mentioned India, we help those companies uh, that want to develop in the US, um, in, in many yeah. cases, develop in, in Europe. So we help them navigate in sometimes where they were not maybe as regulated environment to an area which is a lot more kind of like regulated. And if those type of companies are not regulated, where the banking partner expectations are a lot higher than in, in some of those other countries. So we help navigate all, all of this. It's awesome, man. That's great. I, I'm going to thank you with a couple of people in the community because I'm pretty sure they'll need your help. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and tell me, like, I mean, you got a lot of this experience. That I'm pretty sure there are things that, as you mentioned, one of them being people get this compliance in paper and they're like, these are things that I feel I have to do. Oh. And then there's the challenge of like having to do it and actually making sure it's done. I think we went through this with GDPR a few years ago in Europe. We're like, we have to do it. Let's copy and paste these terms and conditions here and privacy policy. Yeah. But then to actually implement that is a different game. Um, is there like a recommendation or things that you're seeing more around like people building their own uh, stack for technology or versus uh, buying an existing solution. How, how does that, you know, work? And is there an advantage in one versus the other? Yeah, I think th there are some, there are some areas where, you know, I think you can start building a little bit more yourself at the beginning. And then very, it, I think that it's going to depend a lot on your volume. It's going to depend on your volume of customers. It's going to be uh, depend on your volume of, um, of uh, transactions. So, you know, I, I think if you think of identification and verification, this is something that's extremely manual. And, and even if you don't really have a, um, if you don't really have a, how to say, a large portfolio, to be able to go and kind of like, okay, take that information, verify that information, let's say with a liveness check, cross-check this with third-party database. Um, and then kind of like the rest of the due diligence happening with it. I think these are some of the technologies that can be 
good to bring in despite the high um or the, the low number of, of customers let's say um screening is probably like a, when, uh, and then here i'm going to speak from a, a payments uh, perspective screening sometimes it's a, it depends if it's a, if it's a very few transactions you might want to be a little bit hacky and making sure that you know you go and match you go and kind of like match the name against like a third party data, again kind of like watch list understand okay is this is this um uh sanctioned or not and then you release the payment however that's kind of like very manual and it's going to impact your user experience very rapidly if it is that you're not able to facilitate those payments like this for for your customers it's going to kind of like threaten your your experience and you know a customer experience is probably going to be one of the top piece on the agenda of a fintech um so this is probably one of the area I would say, you know, it's important to kind of like bring in from an early stage. Uh, one of the ones where you can start being a little bit more manual though and build yourself uh, and then start kind of like scaling as you as you go is transaction monitoring. You, transaction monitoring is kind of like, you know, it, it happens post, uh, post facts so or post the transaction has been completed. So you're in a situation where you look for suspicious patterns that could result in, let's say, a suspicious activity report which understand change the risk of your client or just even offboard your client. But for a lot of that, you know, I've got clients with, let's say, 10 transactions a day. And in my view, bringing straight away, uh, um, or like five, 10 transactions, bringing straight away a very complex system um, can be, can be, you know, not detrimental, but might, might take a little bit more uh, uh, effort to kind of like go and calibrate, et cetera, rather than maybe have a little bit more of a manual approach to build some, more manual rules, etc. However, I would say as transactions increase, and that typically happens quite rapidly, then bringing such solution is very important because you're not just looking at when you investigate investigate this. You're not just looking at okay, what's happening in those transactions. You need to start comparing what's happening in those transactions compared to what's happened in the last twelve months. Let's say for that client, is this a, is this a different behavior than what we've been seeing? Um, so. This is where like technology can start bringing a lot of that analysis uh, analysis for you. But yeah, I, I think like in, in many instances at the beginning, something can, can be a little build a little bit more in the, internally. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I think there's an interesting point there. Um, uh, my perspective, obviously, is sometimes there are things that are like, you know, built and they're like ready to go. It's easy to implement. It's like no brainer. Go for that. Use that and exhaust that until you like have a really strong you know, value proposition to move into like your own solution or build up your own IP. Certain yep. things don't need to be your own IP, right? I mean, the, the example of like the, I mean, not to brag about it, but if you do, you're gonna do like, you know, identity verification, KYC, what's the point in trying to build your solution? Like you can get persona, if you're a starter co company, a startup can use it for free for up to 500 verifications. So that's, to yep. me, it's like a no brainer, right? I mean, why not? Uh, and then to your point, yeah, if you move on, like, and you start to have like more integrations, it can still like use Persona because you're gonna, it's like highly scalable and it's super configurable, but then you can integrate with different systems that will pull different types of information, integrate with your own internal systems, maybe have like a solution that you have in-house that, you know, maybe adds additional layers of information exactly, to the customers. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you're like a, a, you have like in health tech and you have information about patients or doctors that you have to plug in all of that stuff. I think that's when it starts to get interesting. And, and I love the fact that, you know, you have to think about, about this as well. And I have a question about, like, I'm very, really curious about this because you're yeah, yeah. dealing with a lot of different companies in different sizes and all of that. You're like in the UK, just in, in the US, how did you find out about Persona on the first place? And, you know, how is it being so far? Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. And, and I'll just add one name in there. So John, so it's kind of like the triple J. John, sorry, yeah, John too, yeah. yeah. 
Gaz, Jonna, and and Gypsy. Yeah, three three of us kind of start started this. So how did we hear about Persona? I think you know we one of the reasons is it's probably we are implementing uh we are we've been implementing like a lot of kind of like end-to-end program for, for our clients and we have been kind of like having to kind of like go around the market and understand okay what are all the different technology what kind of like functionality are we talking is this too advanced is this not advanced enough for this stage what kind of pricing structure are we uh, are we talking and you know obviously persona is one that that has been um um that's been kind of like on on I, I don't know how long have you guys been in the um in the market for now four-ish four-ish years well, i've started hearing a lot more about i think about you in the last year the year and a half but no i, th- I think you know you, there was a name that kept on coming up there was a name that we were seeing at um at some of the clients that had already kind of like looked at, at, at idnv so no it, it's a name that that often um often comes up and you've got you, you've got a great great uh piece of tech so you know, it, it makes sense that your name is bubbled up uh, at some point. That's cool, man. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, and, and I want to hear, like, what's next for Strategy Bricks? I mean, you guys are doing a lot of work there. you, you managing uh, solutions globally. What's next? Yes, I think what, what's next is, that, you know, we, we're exploring a lot more. We 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 do a lot of work in, in those smaller, um, on the on the smaller companies, and we've refined our approach to doing this and to be a lot more efficient on how we, uh, how we do this. So I think refining that efficiencies in, and cutting the time it takes to actually go in and then implement a program from end to end, I think that's going to be high in the agenda. And then it's focusing a lot on our on our bigger uh, on our bigger um, clients as well. So we started working with a lot of lo- uh, much larger clients in terms of I think I mentioned before, but um, technology efficiency. How you know a lot of those bigger clients in the fintech space or in the crypto space, digital banks, have gone implemented things and then left it there for um, for the last few years. So you know they. Customer base have changed quite drastically. Their products have changed quite drastically, which means that their whole configuration needs to change to adjust for that risk and for that behavior. So going in and like supporting them on this is going to be a big piece. Um, again, from an operational efficiency, it's helping understand, okay, how can we go in and understand what the process and understand what's, what's working, what's not working? Is it the, is there a technology problem, uh, problem happening? Is there too much manual effort to kind of like collect the information? Is what they're doing now actually too advanced for that early of a stage in investigation? So this whole operational efficiency that's going to allow us to reduce the number of alerts and therefore can maybe like false positive total, and then also reduce our time to investigation. And you know, there's a massive theme of cost efficiency in the market when it comes to compliance. Um, that you know, this is an area where we can make direct impact, reducing you know false positive by let's say twenty percent. You reduce the time of investigating by thirty percent. And these are things that are numbers that very rapidly add up when you've got, for example, a team of 15 investigators. So I think focusing on that and then focusing a lot on kind of like helping uh, helping a lot of our clients with their technology roadmap. I think, again, a lot of companies have implemented this five, six years ago, not touched it. And maybe the compliance type that they've got is not so suitable anymore. So how do we go about improving um, the technology stack? How do we make sure that this stack actually communicates a lot more together? Um, and also, uh, yeah, and I think that's pretty much it, really. A lot, a lot, cool. a lot. Rusty. And obviously, kind of like from a more personal side, is kind of continue, uh, continue growing the team. I think we've been, we've been very lucky to bring some really good, um, some really good people in over the last, uh, over the last kind of year, year and a half. So I think continue that team to be able to kind of satisfy the, that, that demand will be it will be great. That's amazing, man. That's that's yeah. great. I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Strategy Bricks growing. And I kind of wanted to ask on a more like on your professional slash personal note, like as you moved as a, you mentioned, like a couple of years ago, you're working for big corporations. 
companies and now you have your own business it's growing but like john and jazz they're like in different parts of the world what's the i mean do you have a big learnings that you had so far in like you know managing a business being a co-founder with you know fellow co-founders in different parts of the world what has been like good learnings that you had from that yeah i mean like i think one of the uh, one of the learnings is um for your co-founders in, uh, in the u.s to uh, to be able to kind of like uh wake up a little bit earlier and then for those <laughs> to to stay up a little bit later so i think that's been that's been good in terms of overlaying and then we make sure that you know we spend enough time together either uh in europe or or either in europe or um or us because i think the time that you spend with uh with people that you build a business with and then even just with employees so we're actually taking the, the team we're all going to chicago um next week and i think you know building building this is going to allow for so many ideas to come through so many uh plans to to come to fruition or at least have a better plan rather than you know being separated and not communicating enough and be in a situation where you just go by the day-to-day -day rather than see the bigger picture so i think that's going to be that's going to be a very interesting one and i think moving from big companies to a small, much smaller companies, one of the great thing is, is going from a place where there's processes for everything. There's a way of doing things for everything that we've learned to do over the last 10 years and then going to a place where there's nothing. So, you know, having to build everything from the ground up, whether it's, um, it kind of like all the policies and procedures that, that we're, that we're building, but then more internally, you know, what happens from an HR perspective, uh, how do we go about onboarding, uh, onboarding, uh, individuals? How do we make sure that we've got the right competency framework so that they feel like they've got career progression? So it's going from an era with nothing and then trying to build slowly but surely what that uh, what that company is going to be looking like. Amazing, man. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I, I can imagine it's challenging but super exciting. And I'm glad that you mentioned that the fact that you all get it together because uh, it does help a lot. I think it's that that thing that we missed during pandemic that people are like, oh, we can do 100% working from home now. But yeah. there's something when you connect with people, like physically you're there and then it's not because of the meeting that you're connected, just because someone is beside you and then suddenly you like, talk about something that that's, that's great to great. spark ideas, spark conversations and build up on the bond with the team, right? Cause you kind of want to uh, see what's that person like. And, and you know, meetings, you never do questions like, what about this or what about that? It's always, you've got an agenda on the meeting and then you might have a few minutes and you say, like, anything else you want to cover? I mean, I feel like we're coming back to conversation about COVID now, but it's just from a productivity and innovation perspective it's very and, and just kind of strategy is so important for us to spend that time because we'll be able to kind of like also get a completely different view on how things can be done from from the rest of the year of the team they might have a very clear vision and we might just be completely blinded uh so and i think you know if it is that we've or, and also if it's for kind of like john jazz myself to kind of align on what the direction of the company might be over the next like let's say 12 months or a couple of years rather than just us thinking of okay what's happening tomorrow what's happening tomorrow that's awesome man that, that's great uh, it's really good i learned a lot actually really really nice Thanks, uh, and yeah. where, where can people find you i mean if people want to i want to learn more about jim about you know strategy breaks is there like a best channel to use yeah yeah i was like could you know youtube and i just forget to like and subscribe like click that button <laughs> it's like, put one yeah. of the, yeah. <laughs> find us on um on linkedin obviously so strategy bricks um, and then online strategy bricks, uh, .com. So absolutely come, come over there. Um, if anyone's got any kind of question, um, and they want to have a chat, then obviously reach out just either through, through the website, uh, or on, uh, on LinkedIn for the page or, or just on my personal LinkedIn. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll make sure to link like everything here below in the description as well. So people can just, you know, go through, you don't have to memorize the URL. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thanks thanks, thanks uh, so much. Thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for, uh, for having me as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah.
looking forward to um looking forward to interacting more thanks man yeah like have a good day thanks everyone hope you like this episode and you can join us on withpersona.com community make sure you join us we've got pretty cool stuff going on there we have product teams available for you if you have questions we can do demos we can answer questions that you have you can connect with people like jim and other fellow community members and it's pretty cool i mean we're gonna build a lot of really interesting stuff there so looking forward to seeing you there